Blue Wire. To the end zone he goes. Where Sammy is. Boyd with a great fake. Touchdown, Taj. Hopkins throws to Boyd. Lean means touchdown throwing machine tonight, and he's got another one. Boyd. Welcome back to the Taj Boy Podcast. Joining me today is a name that most college football fans may recognize. Now me and this guy go back just a tad bit, somewhere around the 11th grade or so. I've seen him perform on the field at a very high level, as he is currently the SEC's all-time leader in passing yards, and I've seen his skills in the commentator booth with CBS. I'm excited to get his insight on a variety of topics, and can't wait for you all to take a listen. I'm pleased to welcome my friend Aaron Murray to the Taj Boyd Podcast. All right, so in the show today, I got with me Mr. Aaron Murray. Now, Aaron Murray, for the people who don't know, former UGA quarterback, but bigger than that, he was the SEC all-time passing leader. He was a draft pick to the Kansas City Chiefs, played for the Atlanta Legends in the AAF. More importantly, he's a graduate of Plant High School, where he was an absolute superstar. Now, me and Aaron, we got deep-rooted history here. You know, we played in an All-American game together in San Antonio. We were also Elite 11 counterparts. I can't, I can't wait for you guys to to see what he's going to talk about today. So welcome to the show, Eric. I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you not saying, "Oh, I also beat his ass one on one our senior year when Clemson took down Georgia in Clemson." So thank you for a warmer opening. I thought there was going to be a little jab in there, so thank you. Yeah, you know what? I think Billy <laughs> best. He said, "I'm going to let you down easy." So that's what we're going to do today. But that was. You know what, man, that game and that entrance was the most electric that I've ever seen, Death Valley. I don't know if you felt that same way, but it was a pretty special night for me, man. Dude, that place was loud. And and you and I even watched, what was it, later that season when, when Jameis Winston and those guys came up and, and played you guys there. And just the the smoke, I believe, I think of the right game, the smoke took forever to clear and it was just loud as heck. I mean, they won that football game, but still that atmosphere that night when we played you guys week one, I remember our first play – we try to do a, a a jet sweep. You know, we send Malcolm Mitchell in motion. I'm supposed to snap the ball, hand it to Malcolm. He goes around the edge. He's out of a one by one by three formation, and just get the thing rolling a little bit. And it was so loud, the center couldn't hear me with my cadence, and we actually got a full start penalty because he didn't snap the ball. I mean, Malcolm's going, I'm going backwards, and the ball still's not touching my hand. Full start. We're back first and fifteen. Go three and out, and um, you know it was just that the entire game. I mean, it is it's tough. I mean, the key in that situation is don't get a penalty because once you do, the fans just gobble that up. You and I both know it. You just need one yeah. first down. You get two first downs, it starts to get really, really quiet until you get to the red zone. And for us, a lot of that game, it was a lot of penalties. Like I said, just got it got those people excited. It got them even louder, and and it was a fun game. Um, and it was, a, it, was, it was one of the toughest environments because I played a lot of really tough environments. Tennessee was tough. South Carolina, as you know, when they get those towels rolling and sandstorm cranking, that place is loud as heck. But you guys, opening night, ESPN was there. I think uh, Kurt Hershey was on the call, I believe. You guys came juicing ready to go. Well, you had Vic Beasley chasing you every yeah, play too, man. So he, he played I had Vic, and then the next week I had Jadavion Clowney chasing me. So that's like – you know, welcome to your senior year. You got two of the best pass rushers back-to-back weeks just coming right at your fa- freaking face. So uh, that was a good way to start the year. Vic got me a couple times, and Jadavian got me over you know a three-year span. Yeah, probably oh. in double digits, the amount of times that he hit me and sacked me. 
Well, you know, it's funny, man. I went to Twitter and was like, look, I'm having Aaron on the show. You know, is there any specific questions you guys want to ask me? And uh, two people came with the same thought process. They said, hey, can you guys touch on the experience or the nightmares that you guys had about Jadavian Clowney, man? And, you know, the issue for me with, with Seven was that he would take two or three plays off. You know, he would just lay on my tackle, lay on him, lay on him. And that one play, he would just have this burst of energy. Meanwhile, I'm taking a three-step drop. I'll put that back leg down, and I get my back blown out. And it was just – it was tough. It was tough playing against the guy Boy, like that. The, the, the thing that I always will remember about uh, Mr. Clowney was – and I was stupid. I called a, a full slide protection. I saw him on the edge. It was a third and long. I was like, okay, I'm going to slide protect it. And for some reason, I, I, I had one of those moments where just a brain fart, and I actually sent – he was lined up on my left. I actually set the offensive line to the right. So I, I called a <laughs> rocky call, and then that put Keith Marshall – blocking Jadavion. You know, this is not what you want to do. You want to side the line left, block, you know, block Jadavion, get, you know, three, four hands on him, put your running back backside. Well, like I said, I had a brain fart. I send the line right. Uh, Keith Marshall goes left. And Keith is like, I'm not going to fit this dude up. I'm going to go cut him. And Keith goes to cut him. And Jadavion just, I mean, he hurdles him and he's in the air about five feet. And I'm actually going to go throw a slant to my left. So I'm hitting my back step about ready to rip it. And Jadavian's literally flying in the air. I can't see the receiver. And all of my head's like, I'm about to die. This is it. This is how it ends right here. And he hurdled him, drilled me, sack. And I was like, that's just that image in my head of him just literally clearing. Because we see running backs all the time do it. I mean, we all the highlights of every week are some running back hurdling a safety coming downhill. Well, Jadavian, not even full speed sprinting, coming from a three-point stance, was still able to hurdle and then get the sack. I mean, that's something that uh, it still hurts my back to this day talking about in a play I'll never forget. That is so funny, man. So I was in the packaging business for a little bit. So essentially, I would go to manufacturers, uh, distribution centers, and I was in this little, like, podunk town here in South Carolina. And I walk into this plant. This guy pulls up on a forklift. He's like, you're Taj Boy, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, I got something. I was like, what's that? He's like, clowning's coming. I said, like, come on, man. Move. You got to stop this madness, man. I mean, it's, 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 I, I get, well, I get Alabama fans too. Like, oh, what are, what are your thoughts about uh, Quinn Dial when he smacked you in the SC championship game? I'm like, really? Like, come on, man. That was, that was back in 2012. You're really going to bring that up to me right now. But listen, I mean, and, and for me being in the SEC, and, and you know, because you played down the South as well, uh, the Southeast, whether it's ACC or the SEC, I mean, those fans just love love them some football. And and if they have a chance to kind of represent their team a little bit and talk a little trash, they're going to take advantage of it. And and I'm living in Atlanta. You know, there's obviously a ton of yeah. dog fans here. I think the majority are dog fans. But you got everything. You got Alabama. You got Auburn. You got Florida, uh, Tennessee. So I, I hear it every single day. And, and it's funny because my, my wife – I won't say she dislikes football, but she doesn't really know much about it. She kind of yeah. got introduced to football when we when we met, and uh, she's slowly picking up on the terminology. And, and it was funny the other night I'm breaking down what the RPO is and counting the numbers in the box <laughs> and why the quarterback's going to throw it and why is he going to run it. And uh, she nodded like she got it, but I don't think she got it. But anyway, so she always laughs when we go out uh, on the town in Atlanta and, and people just randomly come up to me. And want to talk football. Yeah. And she's like, you're not that cool, you know? I'm like, oh, I appreciate that. You you did marry me, so obviously I'm a little bit cool. So uh, she, she's been broken into what the SEC is all about and, and how much people love love football down in the South. 
Well, which is funny too, because when I looked at uh, you know you guys' wedding pictures, you actually had it in Sanford Stadium between the hedges. So, I mean, did you have to convince her to do that? Did she even understand what was happening right there? So we we didn't have we had, we did it in the chapel, but we did pictures in the stadium afterwards. I don't think I was going to be able to to swing it with her to get married in the stadium. So I was like, can we at least go there and get some pictures? So she's like, yes, we'll go do pictures there. And I mean, listen, she went to Georgia. She maybe went to two or three games her entire time at the at, at the University of Georgia. So she, but she still understood the importance of football, college football. I mean, the stadium's right in the middle of campus. So that pretty much tells you all you need to know about that campus. Everything is surround or surrounds the football. It, that's the most important part of it, and it's a beautiful stadium. And I mean, for her not going to games, obviously, like I said, she still knows what's going on on a Saturday afternoon in the fall. Um, and and yeah. she was fine going there and taking pictures. She loved it. She loved going on the field. And, and like I said, she she's slowly adopting the game of football. She's she's more of a a music buff. She loves music. She loves reading. I mean, she's a lawyer, so she reads all day every day. And, and she's just a little smarty pants. So you know, I'm 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 taking a little something from her. She takes a little something from me, and it's it's been a good little give and take. Oh, that's awesome, man. And, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm man. I've been following your journey, man. I'm super proud of of your progress. And, you know, when you take it back to where you grew up at in Tampa, Florida, you know, that's a pretty vibrant community and vibrant city. And you go down and not only do you just go and commit to Mark Rick and the Bulldogs, but you also have Zach Mettenberger there as well. I think you brought down your tight end with you, Orson Charles. You know, what drew you to Athens? As soon as you walk on campus, um, and it's actually funny, I remember my, I was actually supposed to do a, a, a double up the the weekend I went to Athens. It was in the summertime. I was going to Mark Rick football camp, and I was actually supposed to go from UGA to Clemson to go check out Clemson. I'd never been to either campus, and I went to UGA and spent two days there. Did the Mark Rick camp, checked out the campus, the facilities, went through downtown, and all that good stuff. And I was like, "This is it. I'm done. Like, let's. There's no point." And we actually called Clemson and their coaching staff and said, "Listen, Aaron." Aaron's, or I'm going to commit to Georgia. Uh, I don't want to waste y'all's time, so I'm actually just going to head back to Tampa. So didn't even make the trip up to Clemson, and and I mean literally as soon as I stepped foot on that place in, in, in Athens, and just fell in love with every aspect. Obviously, that the quarterback situation was ideal for me. Stafford was there, but there was good chances he was going to leave after his junior year. Then really, all that was left was Joe Cox, who was going to be a fifth year senior. Uh, and Logan Gray, and then it was me and Zach coming in. So there wasn't a lot of depth at the quarterback position. I felt like I had a good chance to come in there and compete early on to try to earn the starting position as a as a rich freshman, and, and that worked out perfectly. Uh, coach Rick is not only a great football coach, but just as a human being, as a person, as a father, as a leader, as, as a mentor, I mean, everything that he taught me during those four years was great. I mean, everything off the field – that that you want to send your son to go learn, he was the perfect person for that. So I really enjoyed my time with him, and and really enjoyed my time with Coach Bobo, a guy that had played at Georgia, understood the the struggles, the the good, the bad, everything that goes with being a quarterback at that university, uh, a guy that's played in the SEC, played in big time football games. So kind of being with both those guys was, was a, a was perfect for me and really enjoyed that. And then obviously the fact that UJ had a lot of, a lot of success and a lot of great players. You know, I looked at the roster my, my junior year of high school and I was right. like, man, they got all these great offensive linemen. They got this kid named AJ Green that's committed there as a receiver. I mean, they got dudes at the university. You know, this, like I said, all the stars aligned perfectly. And 
and uh, never made that trip up to Clemson. Never, I'd still, have, I've only been there to play a game. Never been on, been to the campus there. Never checked it out. I've heard good stuff, but Athens is is is, in my opinion, the best college town in America. Well, you know, and I, I was actually born in a little town called Albany, and so I still got pictures in my diapers uh, with with Bulldog uh, apparel on, man. And that was my my dream was to actually, you know, obviously go and play there. But more than anything, I actually wanted to go and be an opposing team and go in that environment. So I was pretty jealous of that 14 team that got a chance to come back. I guess they played that doubleheader where – or the home-and-home. Home. Yeah, and they did a little home-and-home home actually. It was, it was booming because my dad, he honestly wanted us to get an English bulldog growing up uh, and name him Ugga. And I think that's a pretty cool tradition, man. I just think that it's rich. And the people, I mean, look, they're they're loyal, man. They're through and through. And that's what I explained to people about Clemson as well is – you know, when you go play in these college football towns, I mean, this is the professional football. And obviously you got the Atlanta Falcons, but the Georgia Bulldogs are bigger than the Falcons in the state of Georgia. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's unprecedented. And, it's, and it's, it's hard to explain to people unless they actually get in this environment. Well, I think in, in being in, living in Atlanta now, it's crazy because it literally goes, it goes University of Georgia. It goes Atlanta Braves. And it may not even be Atlanta Braves anymore. People love this Atlanta United. This soccer team has yeah. just taken the city by storm. You know, you, those two are almost interchangeable right now. You had those two. And then it's, it's the Falcons as the fourth team. And it's crazy. The team that was, you know, in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And if you had to take a poll throughout the city, and I think I honestly think that would be the order. It would be University of Georgia, Braves, or uh, soccer team, uh, United. And then the Falcons. I mean, I think Georgia football is is way ahead of all those teams anyways. At the end of the day, I mean, people love them some Georgia football. They love the tradition. They love taking a trip to Athens. They love spending the weekend. I mean, all the all my buddies who went there for that Notre Dame game a couple weeks ago, I mean, they left on Thursday night. They left Thursday night or Friday morning. They, they played hooky. They didn't go to work on Friday. They just wanted to be in Athens. It's just one of those cities that you just want to be there. You want to be there on a game day. It's it's just it's gorgeous. It's fun. It's exciting. There's good people. There's good music. There's good food. There's tons of bars. I mean, it's it's everything you could want for a great college football weekend. And 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 uh, it's only an hour, hour and fifteen minutes away from Atlanta. So people still get to go all the time. And like I said, there's just no other environment like it, you know, here in Atlanta or there in Athens. Well, look, tell me this. All right, so since we're talking about music a little bit. We got a guy here at Clemson that, you know, everybody knows, Lee Bryce, but you guys have Corey Smith and you got Coke Ford and all of these guys. Now, Corey Smith, man, is is the guy. He's one of the first, I don't even want to consider him as a country artist, but he was a crossover artist that I learned about while I was at Clemson. You have a personal relationship with the man or what? Me? No. I mean, but speaking of Georgia music and, and Athens, I mean, you got REM, you got the B-52s. Uh, widespread panic. I mean, there are so many. I mean, that's that's one of the great things. You go out any night of the week and go to a bar. There's great music going on. I mean, it's a, it's a rich tradition of musicians and people wanting to come there. The Georgia Theater Suite. So it's it's a cool little spot. Um, I wish I got into a little bit more. I dabbled in it a little bit when I was that there. I uh, didn't realize how rich the tradition was when it came to music. Um, like I said, my wife was more of the music, the music girl. So she would go to all the concerts and she's like, I can't believe you didn't go to this one and that one and this one and that one. And I was like, listen, I was preparing to go play Alabama. So I didn't really have as much free time as you did. I'll tell you what, well, I, you know, I know your wife may or may not listen to this at one point, but I did hit the night with you out there in Athens and it was, it was, uh, 
It's a different world, my friend. It is a different world. That place is, yeah, it, uh, it'll get you in some trouble now if, you, if you're not too careful. <laughs> All right, now talking about Georgia, I mean, these guys are on a roll. Now, I, I did, I would say that when they played Notre Dame, I couldn't necessarily tell what type of team that they had just because I didn't put a lot of stock into the Irish. But they came out this past weekend um, against Tennessee. It started off somewhat slow, but, man, they just look like they're hitting a different level. Do you, What do you feel about this Georgia team right now? Oh, I'm, I'm loving what I see. And, and let's not forget that, that that's, as of right now, that's the best win in college football because this is a pretty good Notre Dame football team. Uh, Ian Book, I think, is a tremendous quarterback. They actually showed they could be very physical on the defensive side of the football. So, you, you know, people want to complain and are upset that maybe they didn't blow them out. But I, I'm, I'm loving the way they're playing on both sides of the football. I think defense, even with the Rocky start last week for Tennessee, Obviously, came in there for three, two and a half quarters. I mean, about midway through the second quarter, they just shut Tennessee down. No points in the second half. Because, um, I mean, we know it. these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. They're going to have bad quarters. They're going to ba- have bad halves. But to me, the best thing I've seen so far is not the fact that they're undefeated. It's not the fact that the run game's going well. It's not the fact the defense is playing well. It's not the fact Jake Fromm is not throwing interception. The fact that they've been hit in the mouth uh, versus Notre Dame, the fact that they were hit in the mouth early on versus Tennessee and were losing that game, and they were able to overcome win versus Notre Dame and then completely dominate versus Tennessee. Because I've seen plenty of teams that skill-wise are elite compared to the team they're playing, and they get hit in the mouth and they're shocked and they're stunned, and they may lose it or they may they may squeak out a win. But to me, Georgia's shown the leadership. They've shown from the coaches, from Jake Fromm and some of those other seniors – as well that we can we can handle adversity. Things aren't going to go well. We know they aren't. When they play Florida, things aren't going to go well for four quarters. When they play Auburn at Auburn, things aren't going to be perfect. How do you handle the adversity? And and when you see this football team, you you look at them and you say they they'll be fine. They may have a quarter and they may be down ten nothing versus Florida and Jacksonville. They will be fine. They may be losing for three quarters to Auburn at Auburn at the end of the season. They will be fine. To me, the mindset of the football team is so what, what's up next? Let's keep chugging. Let's keep pressing. It's not a team that's going to back down from a challenge. It's not a team that's going to get down if they're losing. It's not a team that's going to get down if things are close. That's when they excel. And and I think early on this year, you're seeing that. And I think that's going to be great going forward. Well, you know, a lot of that obviously starts from top down. And I think that Kirby Smart is, is obviously easily one of the best coaches in college football. But, you know, Jake Fromm, man, he's grown on me over the years. He is one of the most tremendous quarterbacks in college football. He's also one of the best leaders. And I know he wears the number 11, but he oddly looks like you, man. Oh, it's kind of crazy. You know, sometimes I see pictures like, is that me? He's like, oh, no, it's Jake. Um, Dude, I I, – if people want to compare, you know, what what Tua is doing, what Burrow is doing, what Justin Fields is doing up at Ohio State, I'm like, listen, we have – the perfect quarterback for us. We have a leader. We have a guy that makes all the right decisions. He doesn't turn the football over. And he when when the when the moment's up for him to perform, he performs. And be like, oh, what about LSU last year? That's one game. Kid performed yeah. every opportunity his freshman year. When the lights were brightest, he went out there and balled out. Last year versus in the SEC championship game, he looked like a 10 times better quarterback than Tua did. And I know Tua was banged up, but I mean it was night and day between those guys. He dominated. I mean, every game he's been in, besides maybe one in two and a half years that he did not show up for, the kid has come and dominated football games. And, and I, I love it. 
I have nothing wrong with the fact that he throws the ball 25 times a game. They have a, a studly backfield. They got a great offensive line. You know, they're going to play to their strengths. But, you know, like I said at the beginning, there's no one else I'd rather have uh, in the country right now than, than, than him at the quarterback for the University of Georgia. Well, he throws one of the cleanest back shoulders in America. Oh, man. yeah. You did as well, but it's that something. I mean, that got to be something you guys work on, man, in, the, in, in practice and in the offseason. Or maybe it's just natural. Maybe it's God given. I don't know. But. No, it, it's work. I mean, because it's a timing route, because, you know, it's not like it's a deep throw. It's not like you're launching the ball, you know, 70 yards down the field. So you don't need necessarily elite arm strength. It's just kind of understanding angles, understanding where the defender is and where your, your receiver is. Understanding it, you don't always have to throw it on a line. You know, kind of the aiming point was always throw it at the DB with touch, and the ball naturally land kind of where you want to land, and, and you allow your receiver to go up there, judge it, judge it, make make a, a great catch, and then you know hopefully break a tackle from there. Uh, it just takes repetition, it takes trust, it takes doing it over and over again, and then it just it's easy at that point. You know, for us, we were better at throwing back shoulder fades and go balls. I mean, it was right. just it became almost so second nature to us. I'll tell you what, man, I, I think that. You know, obviously they win the East. Uh, I'm excited to see how this thing, whole thing shapes up on the West. And, you know, talking about that, there are so many different scenarios that could happen uh, with this potential college football playoff. You know, what if Oklahoma wins and Ohio State wins and you got Clemson over here and they went out and then you got a one-loss team that, that loses the SEC championship game. What does that look like? How do you How do you foresee this playoff expansion working down the line? Do you think that it's something that's formidable? Uh, I definitely see it happening. I mean, there's just so many good teams um, that I think deserve it. I do think that the excitement of a 14 playoff is is sweet, though. I think, you know, because we talk about it all year long. I mean, we're talking about it from the very first week of the season, where if you do have eight teams, I think there's less discussion, there's less excitement, because you kind of know who's going to get in there. You know, you know that every conference is going to get someone into the playoff. So they, they, it doesn't, I guess, mean as much. But there are definitely a lot of deserving teams. I mean, you could look at the SEC right now and say three teams should be in it. And 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 I firmly believe that Georgia, LSU, and Alabama are three of the best teams in the country. Maybe two get in, you know, if things kind of work out. And I think that they possibly can because the Pac-12 seems to me that they're out of it. Uh, things are going to be really interesting this weekend versus Oklahoma versus Texas. If 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 Oklahoma loses that game, I would take a one-loss LSU or a one-loss Alabama over a one-loss Texas or Oklahoma you know, based on schedule, based on what you see on the football field. So I think there is a way to get two. I don't think there's a way to get three. But like I said, if there's an 18 playoff, I guarantee three teams from the SEC would be in there. And and possibly four. I mean, who knows? I think there's just that – they're that deep between LSU, Alabama, Georgia. Florida's showing that they're a very good team. And, and they don't sleep on Auburn. I think this is an Auburn team that, to me, is the best defense in the country. Uh, they have a, a, a an offense with a young quarterback in Bo Nix who has shown – to be really good, he's going to have his freshman moments, but he's going to be really good at times too. If they get things clicking and they have they have Georgia and Alabama at home to finish the season off, that's another team that I just don't don't sleep on them the rest of the season. But like I said, that's five teams right there that are all deserving to be top ten, top fifteen teams, and three of them definitely top four teams in the country. Yeah, you know, and obviously I think we're we're close to the halfway point, so it'll be fun to see how to uh, how this thing plays out when the smoke clears. And Aaron, you know, obviously your your football experience has took you to many different uh, ventures in life, many different opportunities. Um, obviously, again, you as we reiterated earlier, you know, you were with the Kansas City Chiefs, but you're also with the Atlanta Legends in the AAF. And you know, man, you we have 
uh, a commonality in there, and it's Max Sims, <laughs> and he's the worst person to throw a warm up pass with, man, because he doesn't. Oh man, he just tries to fire it in there. there. You know, he tries to show off that arm every time he gets the opportunity to throw a football. I mean, listen, he has an elite arm. He has a very, very strong arm. Um, just not when you're ten yards away in warm ups. That's all I asked for. <laughs> yeah, I was walking around with they have tape on my fingers half the time. I'm like, this is crazy, man. Did you how was that yeah, experience? calling over receivers? Like, hey, hey, receiver, can you come catch for me real quick? You know, because I like catching warm ups. You know, it's you know, I like trying to be as athletic as I can at all times. And uh, you know, but sometimes like screw that, man. I ain't trying to break a finger today throwing warm ups. Right, getting, getting bruises in your hand over there, man. Was that, yeah. was that experience though? I mean, going back you know, playing in, in, in pretty much the home state. I mean, was that was that fun? You know, was it fun getting back out there and playing ball? Yeah, it was fun. Um, it's unfortunate that it didn't last. I thought there was some really good competition um, out there. And and at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. So it'll be interesting to see. There's this new thing, the XFL coming out. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm playing in it, but just I'm interested to see how it goes because I, I, think, I think there is a need – for football in the spring, I think people want to watch football all year long. There is an audience. Uh, obviously, you need to make sure the money's right. I think their money is going to be good yeah. for this league, so you, don't, you won't see it folding after eight weeks. Um, I think there will be great players out there once again, just like the AAF had some really, really good football players. So, And then there's some big cities as well. I think they're in a lot of major markets. So we're going to see if this one sticks a little bit. I think they've had more time to kind of prep. I think the AAF, they rushed a lot of things. They rushed – trying to be the first out there. They tried to beat the XFL to the punch. Right. And I think they, they kind of skipped a lot of, of necessary steps to make sure that they themselves could be successful. Obviously, making sure you have enough money to make it through a season where I think the XFL has kind of said, hey, listen, we'll let you guys get to the market first, see what happens, take some notes, sit back, learn, and then we'll go out there and try to, to have success when we start things up next year. So um, like I said, it was fun though. I had a blast. And uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. I wish it could last a little longer. Man, some of them guys was taking hits out there, like NFL Street. Man, it was rough, you know. Yeah, you know, I was sitting there watching them. Yeah, the, the rules were not as aggressive uh, for quarterbacks. They they weren't as lenient and, and and protective as as maybe the NFL is nowadays, where if you breathe on a quarterback, it's going to be a penalty. Unbelievable, man! I, I never thought I would see the game at that get to this point where um you can't touch a guy without it being a personal foul or you know, 15 yards. So it's unbelievable. Um, man, that's exciting though, man. I'm, again, man, I'm just, I'm proud of you, bro. And your, and your journey, man. And Appreciate it. Being able to rally. And, and as a quarterback, you know, we've both had moments where it is more about rallying and bouncing back than it is being in that particular moment. So, you know, we get a lot of different listeners that are, are in different paths with their lives right now and at different phases. Uh, you know, what was one way that you were able to overcome some of those letdowns that you had throughout the course of your journey? Uh, and you know at this i mean you surround yourself with good people i mean and, and that's part of the reason going back to why i committed the university of georgia i knew no matter what good or bad that i was going to be surrounded by coach bobo and coach rick uh and then i got a great support system at home you know growing up it was my parents brother and sister uh and and, and they were always there no matter what win loss i've been hurt a bunch of my life from torn labor in my sophomore year of high school to Broke my leg my senior year to obviously my ACL tear my senior year of college. You know, they, they, they've always been there. And then now my wife, too, I mean, added on to that. So you just kind of surround yourself with good people, uh, people you trust, people that aren't afraid to tell you no, yeah. uh, people that aren't afraid to tell you that you're an idiot. You know, that I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you don't want 
a bunch of yes people around you. You know, I, if, if I want, if I want that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be successful. You know, when I, when I talk to my mom or my wife or my dad or brother and sister and ask them about, you know, how did I play today? You know, my sister was the first one after games growing up to be like, what the hell are you doing out there? You know, what were you looking at? Why did you throw that interception? Did you not see the linebacker? Right. You know, they, they aren't afraid to call me out uh, and make sure that I'm doing everything I can to be successful, which I think really pushed me to be the best I could be. Uh, and it gave me honest feedback. And the same with Coach Bobo and, and Coach Rick. They weren't afraid to tell me, Aaron, you need to do this, this, and this, and this. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Try this. You know, you want people that have your best interest at hand. And we always talk about with coaches too, you know you're not doing things right, and you know they don't care when they stop talking to you, when they stop critiquing, when they stop yelling at you. And, and I guarantee you, Bobo yelled at me for five straight years, uh, and I loved every moment of it because I knew he was out there trying to make me a better football player. Yeah, I mean, that's the worst. You know, when you walk into that locker room at halftime and those guys aren't looking you in the eyes. or I mean, I don't think that was a rough part about getting cut too, man. You know, I, I remember getting a call like 15 minutes before the deadline, and – you know, I walk in there, and there's there's nobody in there. Rex Ryan isn't there, any of those guys. And I meet up with the quarterback coach at a particular time, and he was like, hey, man, you know, thank you for your time here. And I'm like, what is this, man? I feel like I'm getting sent out of the principal's office. And they give you a black trash bag, and pretty much that's it. You know, you got to take that walk of shame through the locker room. Yep, got to get out of there. It's out of there. So, you know, Willie Nelson music and 13 hours of driving to do it to you, man, let you reflect on yep. it. So. Um, well, well, I got cut when I got cut from the Rams. I drove. I had about uh, twenty five hours of driving to kind of think about it. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was an interesting trip. So it was fun. I actually got released from the Rams, and then midway through my trip back to Atlanta, I mean this long three day drive, I get a call from the Patriots to come do a workout. So I had to find randomly find a an airport in the middle of nowhere, jump on a plane, fly to Boston, do a workout, get back on a plane, fly back to my truck, get in my truck and continue the drive. So uh, that was, you know, that is the definition of what it's like to be a, a free agent quarterback in the NFL right there. I'll tell you what, the life lessons you learn from that though, man. And yes. It's, it's, it, it, it holds so much value and weight in your life though, man, because you realize that you can pretty much hit bottom and once your back's against the wall, it's always about what you're going to do next, man. And I feel like exactly experiences have really, really been beneficial for me. Um, now, I know you got to get out of here in a little bit. Do you have one interesting story throughout your football uh, carousel that people wouldn't necessarily know? Uh, hmm. More than that, let's let's hear something about Todd Gurley, man, since we're here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I must say I got, I got like a five billion stories from Georgia to – Plant high school to a obviously we talked about the AF a little bit to you know that that you know being a, a free agent story right there was probably the most interesting thing having to fly across the country then back fly back to jump in my car to continue that trek across uh, from LA to Atlanta but Todd's an absolute freak uh, you knew it from day one uh, I mean just physically gifted fast strong he he's a hard worker he's he's super funny I mean he's a guy you want in the locker room because he's just cracking jokes the entire time. All right. Now, Aaron, your dark horse to win the Heisman. Dark horse to win it. Uh, man, it's kind of hard to pick a dark horse right now during the season midway through. I think everyone who's going to possibly win it's kind of balled out. But I, I've been on the Joe Burrow train from week one. I think this kid is special. I think right now if I, had a, a, if I was Miami Dolphins, I would pick him with the number one pick in the draft. I think he's that good of a quarterback. 
Um, and I think this offense is only going to continue to get better and better throughout the season. It's still a very young offense, and I think they got more room for improvement. So I'm excited to see what he can do when he does play Auburn, when he does play Alabama later this season. Yeah, you know, the number one spot's pretty hefty, man. But yeah. if Aaron's – look the part, man. True, you know. All right. Now, look, um, how can people continue to stay, stay up with you, man, and keep up with what you're doing? And if you personally and your journey – uh, you know, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or email or, or CBS, you know, just let the people know. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Aaron Murray at Aaron Murray 11 for both. Uh, I work for CBS. So I'm covering games on the weekend, do some studio studio work as well. And then uh, I actually work with Sirius XM. I'm on the SEC channel every day from three to six three to with four. my boy, CC, the show pony, Chris Alder. So Staying busy, a lot, a lot of good stuff going on, and uh, it's been a blast. That's awesome, man. Well, look, Aaron, I appreciate you taking the time to jump on. I know you got to get ready for another set right now. Um, but, look, thank you for, for coming and spending some time with us. Again, you know, playing high school, phenom, elite level superstar, AF Titan, Kansas City Chiefs, Georgia Bulldog, now CBS broadcast analyst, man. It's fantastic. Thank you for joining me, bro. Appreciate it, brother. Have a good one. You too, man.